Today on the show, we're talking about passion versus profession. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and I'm joined by my co-host Trevor, and today we're talking about the subject of passion versus profession. Now, I think this is a topic worth discussing because without question, your income earning potential is your biggest, single biggest wealth building tool you'll ever have. And I think it's not a surprise that this this topic, this subject, really touches everyone. I mean, I think all adults, most adults, will hold a job throughout their life, through, hold many jobs. So I think the relevancy of this episode is is so it's it's pertinent to, to everyone listening. And I think it's important to know that. So you may not be able to earn income in your passion your entire life. But I think everyone should strive to be earning income at something they're passionate about at, at points in their life, maybe intermittently. Maybe you, you earn less when you are working at your passion. And then there's just certain times in your life where you need to earn more. Maybe when you're raising a family, that's not an option. But then maybe when you become an empty nester, you can go back to working in your passion. But I, I think to grind out your your life in a miserable job from age 18 to 65 in something that you just despise or you tolerate is, is a bad, a bad solution. So a couple different things from what you just said there, Trevor. And actually, and I want to say one other thing (laughs) (laughs) I love to interrupt people is you may have a passion for something at some point in your life and and you may enjoy it and maybe it gets old and it, it's no longer, you're no longer passionate about it. So your passions can evolve from something you're passionate about. And then maybe 20 years down the road, you're not so passionate and that's okay Ooh, too. That, that's a really, really great point. And um, so, so the, the first thing that you, one of the things that you said, um, and the first time you said that is you, you equated that following our passion might not lead to pr- profitable income and I think that right there that that point I'm glad and I'm glad you brought it up in the first kind of five minutes of this episode because that right there is what what I hope to attack during this 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 episode and quite often if you are truly passionate about something I mean you would you would probably do it for free you know if that's that's the kind of passion so what you get paid for it if it if it's able to sustain your life or you might make the necessary adjustments so it does sustain your life, then then you you would know it's your true passion. And and it, I guess one of the things, one of the, I guess, the objectives, the goal of this episode is to kind of work through the 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 question, can your passion really be profitable? And and I, I'm gonna say there is, you, you kind of you said it yourself, there is this kind of illusion maybe and maybe it's accurate maybe that's actually true that your passion can never deliver a a livable sizable income for the duration of your working career maybe that is a maybe that's a fact maybe that's something we can't avoid well it's been my experience this is just an observation but the the things that just assume you have a common passion other people do say you enjoy playing sports well it turns out a lot of people enjoy playing sports. So there's a lineup at the door 
of getting a job playing sports. You know, professional hockey player, professional baseball player. There's a lineup at the door and they're only picking the best people. So if your passion is a common held passion, then getting paid um, significant amounts of money to do it are going to be a challenge. But if you have a rare and unique passion that nobody else has, say you really enjoy... um, building houses like framing houses and just say it's something you're really passionate about that's a horrible (laughs) example by the way but this is just having to pop in my head there's a lot of people that do that because they have to not because they're passionate about it but there's not going to be a lineup to do that job right there's going to be opportunities so if you have an obscure passion i like your chances of getting paid well to do it but if you have a common held passion it's going to be harder. So I was going to bring this this up later in the show when I when we talked about when should you turn your passion into a profession. But I'm going to bring this in now because it ties really nicely into what you just said. And I mean, I don't want to sound like a, uh, I guess you're you're taking a very realistic approach to kind of the subject of following your passion and that's probably the approach that we should take. And and I don't want to sound like a uh, optimist when I say this, but when it comes to fulfilling your dream in, in 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 doing something like your passion that is kind of everything that that gets you excited that that really makes you wake up in the morning and want to go do uh, there's a great book by Rachel Hollis. I'm sure every I, I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you have heard of her. Um, she has a podcast. She has books. I'm reading one right now, and one of the chapters is dedicated to kind of goals and achieving your goals. And I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher kind of the the exact kind of phrasing she uses, but it's around the idea that no one wants something more badly than you want it for yourself. And and so Trevor. When it comes to following your passion and, and, and realizing your passion and being and kind of making a profit with your passion, do you truly believe then that dedicating yourself and, and, and throwing everything at your passion that it couldn't become profitable? Is there is there an exception to making that passion a, a reality and, and, a, and a profitable reality? Well, if it's really a passion, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to try to maximize the dollars out of that passion. Like you're not going to approach it as a uh, total monetization strategy. You're going to want to make enough money at your passion to survive. That's generally, why would you push your passion beyond its limits to just maximize dollars out of it? That's where, uh, working at your passion and, and trying to make a living off your passion, it that's its shortcoming is if you push anything too far, it just becomes misery. So the problem with, the problem with working at your passion is you will, you will do it to the limit where you're making enough money to survive. You're probably not going to do it to the limit that you're going to be uh, overly wealthy. That's really interesting. And I know we've kind of talked about that here on the show before that, that kind of fine line that you walk between doing a hobby and enjoying and then doing it too much when you try to kind of monetize it. Do you have any firsthand experience in that or is that, or, or even from maybe the individuals around you? So I enjoy furniture making. It's a hobby I have. I have a, a home workshop and I, and I make furniture and for myself. And I have been I had a couple of opportunities presented to myself to make 
furniture for other people, like a, a commission, right? Somebody's, there, there's a bookcase. Uh, the, this is the one that sticks in my mind. Is somebody wanted a cherry bookcase, made it a cherry wood. And they had the wood and they wanted me to make the bookcase. And uh, they kind of told me what they'd be willing to pay. So I didn't even get a chance to quote it. And I kind of looked at, at at the the whole process and I did a sort of a visualization and it, it was just going to be grunt work, really. It, it wasn't something, what they wanted wasn't a, an interesting thing for me to make. So that's the the best example I could come up with where I, I that was my passion. And had I accepted that job opportunity, I, I think it would have been um, not as enjoyable work. But I still would have been using my tools and been in my shop. So that's kind of enjoyable. But at the same time, uh, the work I would have been doing it, it was a, a wall to it was a, a a wall to wall bookcase so that you could you picture a, a, a cherry bookcase that spanned a, the the wall of a very large room. That's in the house. a massive project. Yeah, and I think it was going to be about uh, I'm going to say 16 feet wow. long. And so w- what it would have represented was hours and hours of of shoving cherry boards through a planer, right? Because bookshelves are basically long straight pieces of wood right it's, there's there's no the the interest in, in in furniture making is joining the wood together like uh dovetail joints and in mortise and tenon joints that's that's kind of the interest and in the, the the challenge in furniture making this would have been pure grunt work right just shoving long boards and there would have been a little bit of joinery but not a lot so it, i looked at that opportunity it's something i was passionate about furniture making but I did a visualization exercise and picture myself making this bookcase. And it, it was going to take me uh, literally a couple of months. I figured it would have taken to, to, to get the wood prepped and then the time to assemble it. So I, I turned the opportunity down. But it, 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 it kind of took something enjoyable and, and, and put a bit of a miserable spin on it. I like that. That's, I think that's a very important moment to, to kind of for your personal, re- personal realization in the combination of passion and profession. I, I, but you know, you know that that was an example of of taking something and pushing it beyond its limits. You know, t- taking uh, taking something you enjoy and, and pushing it outside of the 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 boundaries of what I enjoyed about that hobby, and into a monetization. So, model. and and for you, that I think that. And I, I do want to talk about more about this more throughout the episode. But for you, I think it's a very that was very per, it's a personal decision for I, I think for us to stand here and say don't pursue your passion. It's you're gonna hate your passion after a while. Is a very kind of generalistic um, and maybe unrealistic uh, statement because for you maybe that is was was true for that specific hobby or that specific passion and your specific um, mindset or outlook towards your passion and who you are as a person. Well, and also I, I was able to look at my passion. So someone in a broad sense says, oh, this guy likes making furniture. But I, I was able to look within that passion and pick out the pieces within it that I enjoyed and, and knew the parts that I didn't enjoy. Oh, yeah. And, and so I, I think when you're looking at your passion, you, you have to look at it in a very detail-oriented way. If you just look at it very broadly, I don't care what passion you have a hobby interest there's some aspect of it that's not 
as fun as other aspects. So I want to come, I, I want to come back to kind of defining and talking about what a passionate profession is. But first I found a, and this kind of sparked this whole episode. Um, I was thinking about how much time we, we spend at work. And I always, I, I sometimes joke with my colleagues that I, uh, that I'll set p- p- kind of pitch a tent in the office just because I, I we all kind of feel like we're at work for for a, a more time than we are at home. And I, that might even be true. I think there's a stat that says that might be true, that we spend more hours um, at work than we do at anywhere else. But an alarming number. So so I, I, I read, I, I, was, I did come to some research, and the average person will spend 90 thousand hours at work in their working lifetime so someone who's been working for 30 years that number seems <laughs> low <laughs> it really does but here's the way i look at, at work just and uh, assuming you're not working at, at your your passion you know you're just you're working a job so i visualize it is i i spend a third of my life sleeping a third of my life working and a third of my life doing everything else. So even though I only work five days a week, it feels like a third. So that, that's my interpretation of if you want a visualization, visualization of how much time you're actually going to spend working, figure in the working years of life is going to be a third of your life. So with, with that kind of in mind. Actually, you'll you, just go back to my, so I, people are going to argue, well, you only work five days a week, but you know, you sleep seven days a week and you but but you'll spend time thinking about work if you're not actually working. Oh, true. So that's that's where I come up with a third. So so with that in mind, I mean, it's it's it, it, that kind of stood out for me as a reason that we need to look a little bit deeper at what we do and and how maybe we can bring together, married together the the passion with our profession. And I, I read another stat. So it was from a Radio Canada International article. And um, it, they stated a recent survey shows only 27% of Canadians say they're satisfied with their current employer and are, and, are not, and are not interested in a new job. So, I mean, that number, 27%, like, and really, and, and that made me kind of start, my the wheels in my head started turning. And I started thinking about why, again, like why are we not bringing together our passion with our profession? Well, let's dissect that a little bit more. So only 27% are, are satisfied with their jobs. They're not excited about their jobs. They're not, uh, it doesn't necessarily say they're, the, 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 those 27% are passionate about their jobs. They're satisfied. They're satisfied enough that they're not being motivated to look for another job. That that doesn't, I, I wouldn't say that's 27% that are working at their passion. I think these are 27, 27% who aren't miserable. No, and I think, and that speaks volumes because I'm going to bring in another kind of quote that I read, which really kind of struck me. Um, so this one's from a CBC article and it says that millennials have a desire to do work that is interesting to them, things that give them joy and satisfaction. I think they're more willing to walk away from walk away than the generations that came before them. So Trevor, I, as, as someone who's not a millennial, is this something, how do, how do you see this kind of play out in actuality? So all this kind of has to, again, do with the fact that 
one, again, how do you see that final kind of phrase playing out? And does it, do you think it relates to your generation as well? But also, do you, how do you think that's going to change the landscape when we look at individuals um, using their passion as professions? So I, I believe this is true and I, I see it where I work. So I believe my generation kind of did what we were told and just obeyed. But the millennial generation I see coming into the workplace, they have a different set of demands. They're not demanding money. They're, deba- they're demanding working conditions. They're demanding work-life balance. That, that's the difference I'm seeing, and they're getting it. So they're getting what they demand. So they're not demanding money. So if you're not going to pay me a premium wage, you better be give me working conditions that are favorable to me. That's what I'm seeing in the millennial generation. So you're saying that in this case, maybe joy and satisfaction that they receive from a job is maybe having um, like either perks at work or maybe more vacation time, something kind of around that is what you're saying. So something has evolved. So when I started working, the concept of working from home was like, you know, that was, you know, uh, unicorns <laughs> and rainbows. I mean, that, that just didn't happen. But now uh, people expect to work from home maybe one, maybe two days a week. As a, as a job perk, you know, I want to work from home and it, the technology exists. So that's kind of helps this process. When, when I first started working, I mean, computers really didn't exist. So it, it wasn't a, an option, but it is now. And, and people are, it's not, it's not, not like it's an option. It is a, re, a requirement that employers offer that to their, their new employees. They're demanding it. So what I'm seeing from kind of just the, the kind of things we just talked about here is that I think this is my kind of my prediction is that I think that we will have more individuals kind of veering away from maybe what their parents did and to to kind of follow an organic, their own organic path in following whatever that organic kind of passion um, may lead to. Well, and I agree. And, And if you're not being motivated by money, you're being motivated by the type of work you do, and that's what this sort of statement suggests. Then I think if you if money's not the motivator, then something else has to be, like like your passion, you know, something that you're interested in. So it makes sense to me. So I want to kind of dive into talking about what is a passion and what is a profession. And I'm not going to, we're not going to sit here and just kind of, I do have the definitions pulled up here, but I mean, I think we can all, we all kind of have a sense of what a passion is and what a profession is. But this whole kind of episode really did stem from a personal, I don't want to say a personal thing that happened to me, but kind of a realization about the fact, this is going to sound silly, the fact that I don't kind of have a grasp on what my, I guess, deep-hearted passions are. And and therefore, I, I, was, I was wondering, am I even in the kind of the right career path? Because I don't even know what my passions are. And if I don't know what my passions are, how can I kind of maybe even consider having a profession that intertwines with my passions? So let me give you my definition of a passion in a profession. Okay. 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 So a passion is not unicorns and rainbows all day long. Passion is something that you are willing to fight for. When it gets hard, you're not going to cave in. You're going to, it is problems you enjoy solving. If you think life is really solving problems. I mean, 
from eating. You're trying to find healthy food to eat. You're trying to find shelter. I mean, these are all problems. Life is solving a series of problems. That's what we do. So working in your passion is finding problems you really enjoy solving. And the, the harder the problem is, the more likely it is you're going to persevere and solve it. To me, that is when you know you're working at a passion. Not this is going to be just a, a vacation every day. If anything, a passion is challenge after challenge after challenge that you like to solve. So to me, that is a very high level definition of passion. A profession to me is some, is a skill that you are good, you're, you're good at, you're efficient at, and as a result, you will get paid accordingly. So if you are good with numbers and, and calculations, and that's just your nature, like you don't have to work at it, it just comes to you, then being an engineer might be your your thing, right? It, you're just efficient at being at calculating things and analyzing, you know, or, or, or so analysis. I'm really good at analyzing numbers. So accounting, just I'm efficient at it. I do it well and I get paid accordingly. So I think, and some people are good at, at interpersonal skills. So they might be in marketing or sales because they are efficient at it. So to me, that is the definition of a profession in, in my mind. So I really like that definition, by the way, that's not from the Merriam-Webster dictionary, that is from Trevor's head. And I really like it. I love it because it brings together the, the kind of, the thing that comes to us naturally, coupling with the things we truly enjoy or the challenges we enjoy. I like that as well. You kind of uh, kind of sewed into your definition the fact that it wasn't something that came easy because... Now, I, I, I want to say that you're, you might not be efficient at all at your passion. You might be horribly inefficient, but you still love solving those problems. So that... But in your profession, you may... You may hate solving those problems, but you're just efficient at doing it and you'll get paid because of it. And with you saying that, that I think rings true to anyone who is in a job and, and or has a job and they don't love it, but they're in that job because they are, they're good at it. They've been told they're good at it and they know they're good at it. I'm thinking of, um, I know someone who is in a management role and uh, they're not in love with management, but they're they're naturally really good at it because of their personality and their characteristics. That's a good one. Managers, I, I see a lot of people who are managers, and they are they manage people well, but they they they've so they tire of doing it. They may have enjoyed it at one point in their life. So for me, I really enjoyed analyzing numbers and in, in, in large amounts of data at, at an at a point in my life, but I'm tiring of it, and I'm super efficient at it. But I'm tiring of solving those problems. So the, the manager one's a really good one because managing people is a skill. And if you are efficient at it, you will get paid well. You'll always have job opportunities. But at some point, so, you know, dealing with other people's problems, basically, that's managing, it, it gets tiring, right? And you get tired of solving those problems over and over. But, and I, and for your, for yours, Trevor, specifically, I mean, at one point you did enjoy the, maybe the number crunching is a passion that once kind of just, just fueled you. But now is like you said at the beginning of the episode is you've maybe transitioned on, you've kind of fulfilled that passion, tired of that passion or ready to move on a new passion. I think that's important to, 
to realize as well when you are talking about passion is that like you said it it you're not you're you, you evolve uh, during the course of your working career and the work the course of your life so it's it is a little unrealistic to think that the passion that you had when you were 20 is gonna be the passion they're gonna have when you're 60 70 80 well here's a little story so when i was in post-secondary education i i wanted to go into accounting I really wanted, I, I like the idea of being an accountant. It really was something I aspired to. But numbers were never my strength. I was never good at, at, at math and, and formulas. And it was, it was my weakness. And I, so I went into um, materials management. That's what I went to school for. And I graduated and got a job in that field. And the first place I got a job at, uh, in the interview, the person asked me, would you be interested in pursuing accounting? And I thought to get the job, the right answer was yes. <laughs> so, so I said, of That's course, my I favorite said, yes. thing ever. And then after working there for about a year, they said, okay, uh, you've been here a year. Do you want to start this accounting program? You know, we're going to pay for it. And I, I said, of course, the right answer was yes. <laughs> so I want to keep my job. And I, I ended up it turns out accounting isn't really about math. It is about numbers, but it's not about math. So I ended up doing quite well. And, and so I kind of got into it. I wanted to do it. I, I, I liked the idea of it, but I, I didn't think I'd be good at it. Turned out I was, I'm super efficient at it. So it, it worked out. But I, I've, I've tired of solving those problems in a different phase of my life. So what I absolutely love about how you have to find passion profession is that they are these super attainable terms or super attainable ideals in that we, when we maybe think of following our passions, we think of, and this is what I was actually thinking of when I was creating the outline for the show. I was thinking about becoming, doing things that are entrepreneurial. That was kind of my mindset when I was thinking about passions is because we sometimes think that we can only kind of do our passions, aka maybe our hobbies, um, being an entrepreneur. And I love that you, you're an example of it, Trevor. You have found your passion um, within your profession. I think that's safe to say. Well, you know, so to your point, I think to really truly embrace your passion, I almost think you have to be entrepreneurial. In, and I'll say because if you do it, as an employee, you're probably only going to get to experience one aspect of the process, right? Especially if you're in a larger company, you're not going to get the full experience. If I'm trying to think of it, just say um, you enjoy. <laughs> no, that's a bad example. <laughs> just say you enjoy, say your passion is, uh, just say you always wanted to own a coffee shop. Just say that was your passion. To go work in a coffee shop like a Tim Hortons is not the same experience as running your own, right? There's there's all sorts of aspects of it that are, are not going to be present in the job of working at Tim Hortons as opposed to running your own privately run little niche coffee shop with pastries and whatever, however you designed it. Maybe it's like a, a ultra modern or, you know, a sort of like maybe it has live music in the evenings who, who knows right you, you might have some sort of vision in your head of running a, a little coffee shop in a small town or downtown in a downtown metropolitan city but working in a coffee shop you're only going to get one aspect of that experience so I, I think when it's safe to say when we're talking about passions and professions I think I think we really have to 
I look in inside and, and and really think about it. What kind of makes you tick intrinsically? And I I think I mean that sounds like you like you did, Trevor. I mean, if we have anyone who's because you, you what you said earlier about passion that it was simply finding out with woodworking, finding out what you the kind of the elements that you liked about that one passion that you have. And I think when it comes to analyzing our passions and our, and our, the, our profession is, is just really looking at the, the nuances and the aspects that we either enjoy or excel at. I really think it comes down to looking at the problems you're going to be solving. There's a, um, the book, uh, the subtle art of not giving a bleep by Mark Marin. He thought he always wanted to be a rock star, like a musician. But in the book, he said he hated the, the act of practicing. He liked the idea of playing live on a stage, but he hated the idea of practicing music. It just was misery to him. So he, that's clearly a problem of becoming a good musician is practice. Practicing, playing songs over and over and over until you can play them perfect. He hated solving that problem. So in my, in my furniture making hobby, there is aspects of that hobby that I don't enjoy. The p- problems I don't enjoy, but there's problems I do enjoy. For instance, one of the arts of, of making furniture is starting with a perfectly square, flat piece of wood with no warp or twist in it. Well, if you don't enjoy creating that perfect piece of wood, you're going to be miserable <laughs> in that hobby. So you have to look at your the thing you're thinking of doing, the the... the the profession, the the occupation, and say, you know, break it into small, tiny pieces and figure out, you probably aren't going to love solving all the problems of that occupation or interest, but make sure you like solving most of them. So, or the the bigger ones and, and, and just deal with the, the other ones that, that are, are maybe a little more miserable to, to work with, but just know you're solving problems so some people, they want to be a writer, like an author. They want to write books. But they hate the idea of sitting at a desk or they hate the idea of crafting the perfect sentence. So if you don't like solving those problems, for instance, I love editing audio. It might not sound like, the, <laughs> like that when you listen to this podcast, but I really do. I love tweaking the audio, making, getting the, a good sound. I, I love solving those problems. And, and some people, that's just misery. So break what it is you're thinking of doing into tiny pieces. The smaller micro view you can take, the better. And, and look for the problems that need to be solved. You know, it, it almost sounds like a negative approach, but just know there are problems that need to be solved. Do you think you'd like to solve those on, on, a, on a big scale? And I love that advice because I think it works both for assessing maybe what is bringing us unhappiness in our current uh, job and also what we can look for in a, a future uh, maybe piece of, of work. So I, I put together a list of, of um, so the question, I guess, is what is holding us back from turning our passion into a profession or, a hold, or holding us back from pursuing um, a passion as a profession? So that was kind of the question that came to mind next is, okay, so maybe we know what our passion is. Maybe we know what we sell at, excel at in a, in a professional sense. So if we've, when we've kind of worked through that stage, it's then kind of moving on to, well, maybe why aren't we actually doing this? And I realized it all came down to the F word and the F word. 
And I noticed I noticed this F word has four letters in it. <laughs> it does have four letters. Just an observation. This F word is not the obvious one. It is actually fear. So, Trevor, I have a list of kind of five ways that fear comes into play when we look at ways that reasons why we're not just pursuing that passion as a profession and I think fear kind of encapsulated that encapsulates kind of that overall motion accurately I think if you asked anybody you know if you're not working at your passion and you know what it is why aren't you I I think they would all it would all be fear-based 100 definitely so I have broken um, fear down into kind of five areas where that pops up when we're kind of considering why we're not pursuing this. And the first one is um, fear of investment. So this can look, uh, and this can take place in kind of many ways, um, time or money. Well, and I, I remember when I was in my 20s and I would work with people who were going back to school in either their late 40s in re-educating themselves for a different, sort for a second career, and I thought, <laughs> so in my twenties, I thought your life's almost over. <laughs> why in the world would you be going back to school? You know, I couldn't wrap my head around that. And why would you want to give up this great paying job for something that they were describing that I knew didn't pay well? Like I could not interpret that. But these, so now that I'm that age, and I know my life's. <laughs> not almost over. I, I know I'm in that mindset. I, I'm looking for that second career, that second phase of life. And I get it now. So, but the point is, if somebody in their 50s is willing to reskill themselves for a second career, then I don't think it's ever too late. Like there's never, the investment in time and money is never going to be a waste. It's, it's never, you know, the, the the three or four years you might put into re-educating yourself, it will pay back in spades. And I love, so I love that example. That is actually, I, and I think it's, that might resonate with a lot, a, a lot of individuals. And that was recently, it's that exact example is something that I was kind of recently toying with. The, it was how... Uh, kind of the 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 investment of time that it would it would be to kind of maybe reinvent a career, go back to school, and um, and I and I think I think that's really an important piece to to kind of consider, and whether and and and, and it's again one that's very personal to you, which leads me to the second fear. And the second fear, so Trevor, you didn't say this out loud. So I guess the second fear is fear of judgment from others' opinions. And when you're maybe back then, when your coworkers are going back to school, it's kind of reinvent their career. You, I'm sure you didn't say it out loud, but you're still kind of thinking that. And I think, I mean, it's one thing to think that. That's absolutely, that's, but for others, and I'm when I say others' opinions, I mean friends, families, partners, those kind of people in your life who are questioning you. And questioning your decision to pursue pursue a passion um, as a profession. Well, if you think of how our society is set up, we tell everyone who's 17 years old, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Right? That, that's the question they're being posed, right? What do you want to do for the rest of your life? And here's a whole bunch of money. Go get educated in it. And I hope it works out. Right? That, that, that's kind of the path we give our society in general. At, at, when you graduate high school, you need to know 
what it is you want to do for the rest of your life. That's basically the, the setup you're being given. So the, the chances of you knowing, like uh, the percentage of people that would know that they want to be an engineer at 17 and they could do it for 30 years is, is a very small percentage. I, they may continue to work in it because that's where they're going to be, have their most earning potential, but they might not be happy. So I think changing your career path, changing your, what you do to earn a living over your lifetime, I think that is totally reasonable. Like even, even after five years of getting out of your first education and working, if you change paths again, I've always said this life is never a straight line. And if, if we're passing judgment on everybody for not living a straight line, we're, we're off the rails. If the, I think the happiest, if, if you live life as a perfectly straight line, you'll have missed opportunities on top of opportunities. But if you let life lead you on a winding path, you will have seen and experienced so many more things than the people who live you know, life on a straight line. So I, I would not be afraid of judgment. In fact, the people that are judging me are probably trying to live a life as, as a straight line and they probably are miserable doing it. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. I'm just kidding. That was such <laughs> a mic and mic drop moment. If anyone has heard other mic drop moments, it is it is reserved for moments when Trevor says something so brilliant that nothing else needs to be said. So I I have a problem with with don't worry about judgment because the people that are judging you are, are probably holding more fear than you are. Yeah, and, and you're right. And it comes back to that that fear. And I think when it comes to this, I'm going to go right back to kind of inserting the word passion, but no one knows. Only you feel that passion inside of you. I Just like it, for Trevor's example about editing podcasts, there's a reason I don't edit the podcast. There's a reason that Trevor does because that is something that the nuances that he loves. And I think if we all had the same passion, we would all be really good at one thing. The whole world would be. And I think the the re- I think we have to listen to ourselves and not the maybe the fears of others around us. Other people who are afraid that we're going to, and I'll get to this in the next point, but fail. There's other people who are around us who are worried about us, who are concerned about us, who want us to succeed. And and our all those fears cloud their judgment when they pass judgment on us. So that's number two. Number three, which I spoil, spoiled, is fear of failure. And this one, I, I this one's point number three of five, but it might it is one one that is, I think, huge. And I would ask the question: How do you really know if you failed? Oh like, yes. Like, how do you really know what failure looks like? Everyone has this vision of success, right, in their mind, but trying something and discovering you don't like it. Is that really failure? It, that, that represents one thing I know now. I know I don't like this, right? That, that's, that becomes a certainty, right? It, you, it's something you're wondering about. Now you know. So if you tried something, say you re-educated yourself in something and you give it a try and you don't like it, it, it now you, you're all of a sudden, you're, not, you're more knowledgeable. You know what you don't want to do. So is that really a failure? No, it's not. And I've never, I mean, if, if any of the other, anyone else listening to this has kind of, I've never, I've never thought of it that way. That's, it is so true. It's nothing is, nothing is truly a failure if you take that approach. 
and I know, so where I work, every once in a while, somebody will get hired and they won't work out in the job they got hired for and the company will let them go. And then we'll, you know, somebody will say, hey, have you ever heard from so-and-so, right? And they said, oh yeah, he got another job. Everything worked out for him. Well, unless you die, it always works out, right? Yeah. Like, so that person came, tried a job, it didn't work out, and they found another job and it did work out. So that person didn't fail. They just tried something, didn't work out, tried something else. I don't call that a failure. You know what's a failure is trying something, hating it, and keep doing it over and over and over until you're miserable. That to me is a failure. And I think with that mentality in mind, it makes trying different things, turning a passion to profession or or finding out whatever that is, whatever that passion is, I think it makes it that much more easier. We give ourselves permission to take on something new. I have regretted not doing something more times than I have regretted doing something. Oh yeah, and and you've said that before and I think it that rings so true. So the fourth F word, the fourth fear is fear of commitment. And this this kind of circles back to the original point that we we're talking about. This is a commitment to the passion we are pursuing. So commitment to the fact that we'll, to ourselves, that we'll, we will lose focus, we'll lose drive, we will lose the kind of the, the thirst inside of us that made pursuing this passion a good idea, a good idea in our minds. And this is the testing ground if to figure out if you love solving the problems of whatever occupation you've decided to take up. And if you don't enjoy solving enough of the problems, you won't have the commitment and and it, you will move on, hopefully. And, but and I think this point goes back to you as well, though, that we have to trust ourselves that when we take on a new when we take on a new profession that may be intertwined with a passion that things that we will stick with it well that we will stick with maybe the challenges that come along with pursuing that that we that we put ourselves in 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 that place where we allow ourselves to succeed well you know a good question to ask yourself when it comes to commitment is if somebody said come to you and said you will never ever be able to retire you know the 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 economics of your country have changed in such a way that nobody will ever be able to retire you will work until you die that is just the economics of our of our country they changed there was a a nuclear meltdown i don't you just you know go dramatic and think of something extreme and if someone said you can never retire what would you do if you knew you could never stop working and that will be a good measure of how committed you are to something. If you could never stop working, what would you do? And the last fear in our list of what is holding us back from pursuing or turning our passion into profession is the kind of the big one. Um, and that's why we kind of saved it for last. But the, the fear of unprofitability. So your idea, your passion, whatever it is that you're pursuing, it doesn't it, not that it doesn't work out because it, like we said, the kind of failure and the idea that it doesn't work out isn't really a thing. But in profitability from the fact that the the revenue from whatever you're pursuing isn't enough to support your lifestyle or isn't enough to kind of make ends meet. 
and this one's real. So if you have a family, you've made a committed, you've made a commitment to supporting other people other than yourself. So you, now you have to think about everybody and, and it has to be profitable in that it supports you and your family. Maybe you adjust your lifestyle, but it has to meet the basic needs of your family. If you have a family or yourself, if, if it's just you, but I think you just, you can't, you can't go at this and think it's all about money, but if you're living on the financial edge because you're working at your passion and you're just getting enough money to survive, then there maybe you won't have the stresses of a job in your life, the, the stress of working at something that's making you miserable, but what you will have is the stress of paying your bills and the stress of meeting all your financial obligations. So, so don't think working at your passion at a reduced rate of money will will take stress off you. You'll just shift stress from one part of your life to another. So it, it, you will end up with the stresses of, can I make my rent? Will I have enough money for groceries this week? But in the meantime, you're you're spending eight hours a day working at something you just love. So you you've, you're you're going to sh- shift stresses in your life from work stresses to life stresses. And I think when it comes to that, we all have a different comfort level with with and in a kind of a different mindset around what we feel comfortable maintaining some if for some individuals that that kind of the the trade-off might not be worth it and if you're kind of test driving a passion as a side hustle and you're thinking about turning it into a full-time opportunity i think you can you don't have to be a mathematician to figure out if i did this full-time would this sustain me but a lot of times the math is not simple. Like you can't just say, well, I'm doing this for four hours or you know, 20 hours a week and I'm making this much money. If I did it for 40 hours a week, I'd make twice as much. That isn't always the case, right? The, there needs to be a market for whatever you're selling, right? Be it your services, your skills, maybe something you're making. So, so you, you may have maxed out the market at 20 hours a week and you, you, you just think if I just doubled my output I could do this full time. That might not be the case. And that really leads into the next question for the, this episode. And that's what that is. When should you turn your passion into a profession? And, and I, this question really extends to maybe more entrepreneurial passions that you may have. Um, and, and you want to turn into kind of your, your full-time profession or your full-time job. And there's kind of a list of three three things I've put together that I mean I'd love Trevor's thoughts on to see if these kind of stand the test. Um, so my first one is testing. So testing ground to full time. So this start. This is just what kind of Trevor was mentioning. This is um, start a profit earning side hustle. So maybe this is something you're passionate about. Um, maybe it's an online store. Maybe it is, uh, marketplaces such as craft shows. Um, maybe you, you, you sell things at a farmer's market. So those kinds of things where you, you kind of start with, it's kind of a, a kind of a safe, you kind of have a full-time job and you start that on the side, it's kind of a little safe. And the other kind of area where you can kind of have a testing ground of, to transition something into a to- full-time venture is launch a free resource and then monetize, whether it's a YouTube channel, um, a blog, something like that, where it's kind of, it's, it's a passion project that turns 
into a, a kind of a full-time venture? So the only problem with the testing ground is, is when you're doing something and it's, it, it represents extra money, you will interact with your customers in a certain way. But when you need this money to survive, you, you conduct yourself in a completely different way, possibly, right? You, you might be a little more aggressive in trying to close a deal on whatever it is you're selling. And uh, you might, your whole approach to the business might change because you need this money to pay your rent. You need this money to buy your groceries. I, I think it, it is a good testing ground, but you need to, when, when it goes from extra money to this is what I'm going to survive on, I think you end up, you smell different <laughs> to everybody around you. You just smell different. And I, even if you don't want to, I think you do. So I, I love that point. And I think that is a great point to consider when we are, because that's kind of the one of the big main things is um, with the the rise of our millennial generation pursuing other things. I think this is a big thing and people do make all of these the side hustles and the kind of the free resource uh to monetization that does work out for a lot of individuals but i think like you said trevor there are a lot of considerations to to think about when you kind of turn something like that into a profession um scenario number two and you kind of did touch on it it's uh it's just supply and demand so um, this one I kind of defined as when you, your, your passion project gets too successful or popular to, to just maintain on the side. And like you said, Trevor, there is that kind of consideration where you're not, it's not going to be that the multiplication effect where if, if you do, if you do something, it's going to automatically double or triple based on the number of days or hours you spend working on it. So I know this, uh, this, this person, it's an online person, so I don't know them personally, but they were into furniture making and they started a website and they, they were, they were made, they were selling their stuff online. And, and I think on, um, one of those craft sites, what's it called? Etsy. Uh, Etsy. Yeah. On the Etsy store. And they were doing okay. But I followed them. They had their own, then they got their own website and they're, they kind of getting a little bigger and, and they got, they decided to go full time. And what this person did is they bought what's called the CNC machine. Do, do you, have you ever heard one of no. those? So it's basically a, a computerized machinery that cuts um, wood out based on a computerized program. And it's basically a production machine. So he went from handcrafting furniture to inc- to be able to increase his volume. He, he bought the CNC machine, which was quite an investment of money. And he ended up turning his, his handcrafted hobby into basically assembly line production because he realized... In order to make a living at this, I needed to uh, sell more pieces of furniture than I could make by hand. And he ended up creating something he didn't like. He didn't like production line work. He liked handcrafted work. So his his hobby did not scale. Like the thing he was doing, it, it literally could not scale to sustain what it is he wanted to do. Like it, 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 it was impossible to become a full-time income based on handcrafted furniture he couldn't make enough pieces in a day or a week to sell and live off of i love that example because that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about understanding really what the nuance of your passion is so that you can successfully kind of maintain that happiness that was derived from that passion and and again i this list is 
or this question and the answers from this list, it really kind of pertains to more entrepreneurial ventures, hobbies that are turned into professions. Because as we, as we talked about earlier, I, I it's truly, I think, possible to to make a turn kind of elements that you're passionate about into a profession um, at, at just kind of the job you're at or a future job in, in kind of a more... Uh, a setting that we are used to as opposed to being an entrepreneur. And the last kind of way that you can turn your passion to profession is, and let me know what you think by this, Trevor, but I have, and not to quote, to quote Nike by any means, but is just to do it. And is this kind of throwing yourself wholeheartedly into your passion and working your working your butt off to make it succeed and and just is is that a strategy or is that just kind of insanity so i am approaching financial independence i will be there at age 55 and only then would i say just go all in and just do it i'm a very cautious person but i certainly wouldn't just do it if i had a family to support a bunch of dependents if that i don't think just do it I'm not saying, I'm not judging the people that do, but for me, I, I don't have that nerve. So I would just do it when I don't need it <laughs> in a way. But, you know, here's one of the things I'm just, just do it. If you're a resourceful person, you will figure it out. And, and so using my approach, here's the flaw in mine, is if I'm in financial independent and I start my own little business and it gets a little bit hard, I might say, ah, I'm out, it's too hard, because I don't need it. So I think just do it works, and if you really need it, the money, you will figure out how to get it done. So I, I believe in the just do it. it it's, it's, it's a risk, but I'm, it, again, if you're a resourceful person, you will figure it out. So we're going to kind of conclude the episode by bringing in a, a kind of a really great article from The Telegraph, and it is called Eight Ways to Find the True Passion Life That Has Eluded You. So we will link this in the show notes as well, but um, there's a couple of great points to kind of consider when we are thinking about um, finding our passion um, if, if, if it's really not something that we, that, that maybe is there that we can really kind of notice. So the there are a couple a couple kind of things that we can consider. The first is um, ask yourself three simple questions. So this one's good, and this is what drew me to the whole article. The, the other seven points are good, but this first point is is solid. So the first question is, what subject could I read five hundred books on without getting bored? So you'd know you're into a subject matter that is engaging if you could read. 500 seems excessive, but if you could read a lot of books on the topic and still be searching for more. So I think that is a good measuring stick. You know, it's a question to ask yourself. And the the next question is, what could I do for five years straight without getting paid? And so this goes back to my thing. If you could never retire, what would you do? I, I think it, it kind of goes to that. But I mean, if you were willing to do it for free, obviously you'd be more than happy to do, get paid to do it. And what would you spend your time doing if you had complete financial abundance to do anything. And if you remember a few episodes back, 
I, I said, you know, if you like camping, if given the financial means to do any kind of vacation, you'd still go camping. So this is, this is if you have the financial abundance, so I'm talking financial independence, would I still want to do this thing? Do, would I still enjoy, enjoy solving those problems, giving I don't need any money, I don't need an income? So I think these are three great questions to ask yourself. Another kind of point that we can consider is don't presume that your passion should be your job. So this one, it, just because you enjoy doing it as a hobby, I go back to furniture making, it doesn't mean it, 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 it's fun doing it as a job. Once you, you're on the clock, so when you're making furniture, if you want to make it profitable at making furniture, you have to become somewhat inf- efficient at it. So you have to make it in a reasonable amount of time in order to make a reasonable amount of money. So once you put the clock on anything, it kind of adds a bit of misery to it. The third point is work out what you hate doing. And this is where I said, you know, break your passion, the thing you think you're passionate about, break it into the tiniest pieces you think you can, the tiniest problems you're going to solve within that passion. And, And be honest, like don't say, oh, I left them all know there's going to be some of those problems you hate doing and just figure out if you would like to solve those problems or if you could tolerate solving the ones you don't like. So look at it as a problem-solving exercise. And if you love making wood flat and square for furniture making, then that's a big problem. And if you enjoy solving that, then I like your chances. The fifth point in the fourth area or point that you can focus on to find your passion is find the things you're mediocre at. Yeah. And I don't know if I understand this one completely. If you're mediocre at something, uh, I, I, maybe it goes back to where we were talking profession versus passion and the profession, you know, generally you're going to get paid well for the things you're efficient at, not necessarily enjoy. So if you're mediocre at something, it might not be for you. The fifth point is forget the eureka moment. Yeah, and this is where I was saying, you know, life's anything but a straight line. Let life lead you. Don't don't think, you know, you're just going to wake up one day and you're going to have a re- eureka moment. Sometimes one hobby or interest will lead you down to another one and and maybe you you take a great big interest and you find a little piece within it that you enjoy. And that, that, that is not a eureka moment. That's some, that's a discovery. And I think this also works the other way as well. I was talking, uh, I was talking with my brother recently and he was saying, so he's a, he's a, an engineer now. And he, he said that he didn't always realize he was passionate about engineering. It's only now in hindsight that he's, he's realizing that he is kind of fulfilling his passion. So I think it kind of works both ways that, um, that that the Rico moment may not you may not discover I guess your passion kind of just looking at a list of jobs but instead kind of pursuing something and then you realize that that is where your passion lies number six is remember what you love doing as a child and this one I I think is if you think of your childhood, you you weren't influenced by many like things. Like obviously, your parents told you to clean your room. Like I mean, I'm talking young childhood. What what fascinated you in the world? What because you you didn't have the influence of well, how much money could I make doing it coming into play? Right, you as a child, what did you enjoy doing? 
and you, it may be an inborn thing, an inborn talent. So I just think if you can go back to your childhood, there wouldn't be any of these other life influences that are going to maybe be help, you know, pushing you in the wrong direction. I like this because this goes back to the um, passion versus profession kind of definition we were talking about earlier and that things that you enjoy doing as a child might have come easy to you. So that kind of represents... Um, what maybe you're good at uh, professionally, but then if you kind of intertwine that with what kind of makes you tick, your passion, then those coupled together could lead to a very fulfilling career. Number seven is create something brand new. So this is if you're like an innovative person and you've come up with an idea nobody else has. And I, so here's something I seen, I found it was interesting. So somebody started, they, they actually created a book, an ebook, and it was an iPhone photography course. And it was how to utilize your iPhone to get the best photography out of it. And I thought that was brilliant. You know, that's somebody thinking outside the box. Oh yeah. And cause, because that, that is a thing as, as uh, someone who works within marketing, I know that is something that um, I've actually, I've learned at, at conferences actually is how to utilize your iPhone. So I love that. And I think that ingenuity is really what uh, it, it really what is moving us forward. And our eighth and final point of this article is try visualization. So Trevor, this is something that you kind of actively practiced when you were considering whether to take on the Cherry Bookcase project. Yeah, you break, well, even furniture making as a whole, you know, break it, I broke it into the tiny pieces and said, and, and that's when I realized being on the clock would have been a miserable, would have turned this hobby into misery. You know, that, that, that aspect of it. So that visualization of me trying to get this done in a, in a, uh, a specified period of time turned something I enjoyed into misery. So I, I think that visualization is really important. So again, those were the eight ways to find true passion in life that has eluded you. An article from Telegraph by Rebecca Byrne Callender. We will have that in the show notes. So you can go refer back to that as well and read the kind of the full article. And I think it's a great way to really understand your passion and kind of intertwine that into your profession. So that brings us to the very end of today's show on passion versus profession. If I were to give a final thought for this show... My final thought would really be that when we are looking at our at what we want to do as a career, I think that finding that thing that, that our passion it's it's really not this kind of to quote the article in a re- eureka moment that we can that, that those moments that passion may actually be within. Uh, our current job or another job that is right on the horizon is not unattainable, but it's it's really within grasp. And if I had to give a final thought, I, I would reiterate that your passion is not going to be uni- unicorns and rainbows all day long. It's going to be solving problems, but problems you enjoy solving. And on that note, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. If you are currently working a job in, in a career, doing something where you have married together your passion with your profession and, and, and completely in love with what you're doing, we would love to hear how you kind of got to where you are. You can always reach out to us through our email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com or through our contact submission form on our website 
at livelifesimple.ca. Thank you so much for being here with us today for another episode. We can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple.